All right, if you would, take out your Bibles, and obviously we'll look at the verses. Uh, I'll give you verses that we begin into, get into this here. I kind of, I'm not necessarily jumping ahead permanently, but I'm going to jump ahead to a specific one tonight. Um, I preached it on this past Sunday in our bus team church, and uh, it's just been stuck on my mind ever since, and I just, for whatever reason, feel like we're supposed to hit it tonight, so we're going to hit it tonight. Um, one of the things we struggle with so much in our lives as teenagers, I say our, I know I'm not a teenager, Clo- no, I'm not close either, uh, almost twice a teenager's age, uh, but um, one of the things we struggle with a lot is how we are perceived by others. Um, I, uh, we all, I used the example before, um, some of us get embarrassed really, really easy. Some of us don't get embarrassed at all. Some of us should get embarrassed and don't. Um, but embarrassment, embarrassment is defined by my perception of how other people perceive me. Have I done something where people think something different about me? And that's what we're going to look at tonight. Uh, the topic, or, uh, toxic topic for tonight is self-image. Self-image is going to lead to a, probably five or six different other toxic topics that are going to come out of that kind of branches from it. But self-image. Self-image, well, let me ask you, what is self-image to you? Self-esteem. The way, okay, Braylon said the way he looks at himself. Okay, what well, can lead to pride. What? Okay, the value of yourself, things like that. Good, okay? And that's how we would describe self-image or self-esteem. And that's not really the direction I'm going to go tonight. I want you to see something different my image of me, I don't, if I can say that, I don't care what other people think about me. Now, a lot of times people say that because they act the fool. They act like an idiot. Well, I don't care what people think. And, th- and that's their prerogative to think that. But as Christians, our self-image, or we, we sh- honestly shouldn't view things from the, the realm of self-image. We should view ourselves how God views us. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. The self-image, the definition that I found online, the idea one has of one's ability, appearance, and personality. You'll notice the word one in here twice. The idea, as a couple of the definitions were given, the idea that I have of my abilities, my appearance, and my personality. You know, in the, uh, in the book of Exodus, I'm sorry, the book of Joshua, when the children of Israel got to the promised land, uh, the Bible says that uh, the, when they got to the promised land the first time, the Bible says that God uh, told them, go conquer the promised land, and the children of Israel didn't obey. They sent in uh, uh, spies. Thank you. Couldn't come up with the word spies for some reason. Um, but uh, couldn't, they sent in spies to spy out the land. God didn't tell them to spy out the land. God told them to go take the land. But those spies went in, and we know the story. They went in, and they were gone for a while. They came back, and both Joshua and Caleb said, you know what? We can do this. We can take these, uh, these people. Yeah, they're big, but look at all the benefits. Look at the size of the grapes, and look at this, and look at this. The land flowing with milk and honey. We can do it. The other ten stepped up, and they made a specific statement. The Bible says, we were in their sight, or we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. We don't know that the giants thought that at all. The giants may have seen them and thought, you know what? Those are God's people. We're afraid. You think of other people, groups of people in the Bible where the Bible says that um, uh, the, or the group of people that uh, deceived the Israelites into thinking they were really, really poor because they were so scared of the Israelites. But here, this group of people, uh, or, um, the, the spies went in, they said, you know what? We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. In other words, the view of themselves caused them to disobey what God had. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of us find ourselves. We view ourselves, we may compare ourselves with other people, or we may compare ourselves with uh, uh, what the world has to say. You know, the world's, the world's idea of fashion, the world's idea of what looks good, the world's idea of what is best changes all the time. 
And if you're trying to please that and trying to, trying to be like this person or be like that person, my wife and I laugh all the time looking at fashion. Fashion, girls, if you just hang on to your clothes right now, in about 20 to 25 years, they're going to be back in style. Okay? Now, guys, guys dress for the most part is it, timeless. We dress timelessly. No, uh, but you, for the most part, guys' fashion, now uh, obviously things change. I mean, you think of the idea nowadays of skinny pants. You can compare those to bell bottoms, what, 30 years ago? Um, but either way, th- those, things, those things are constantly changing. It may be this way today, and it's this way tomorrow. It's all based on what this person thinks or what that person thinks. I've often thought it would be, so, it would be a fantastic social experiment if we could make up the most ridiculous um, outfit and get the right couple of people to wear it, maybe athletes or uh, musicians or actors or th- actresses, and watch how many people dress like complete morons just because those people do. And the, um, the, tradi- or the, uh, the uh, theologian, uh, I Love Lucy, um, there was an episode uh, where they went to, they were on their trip to Europe, and they were uh, looking, uh, they were, Lucy and Ethel wanted to go to a fashion show. And uh, or their husbands basically said, why do you want to go to the fashion show? It's just this and this and this and this. They didn't want to spend the money is what it was. And so in turn, uh, they, they looked at some of the fashion, realized how ridiculous it was. So they concocted a plan in their minds. They thought, you know what? And what they did is they went and got some burlap bags and got horses feed sacks. And what they did is they turned the burlap bags into dresses and the feed sacks into hats. And they said, yeah, this famous, this famous uh, designer made these dresses specifically for you. And they put those things on and they walked down the streets of Paris like they had the latest fashion. Obviously, people made fun of them and through, through investigation found out what their husbands had done. And so they made or they were getting ready to make their husbands go buy them actual dresses. And then all of a sudden, that, uh, another designer Two of his models walked by, and they were wearing close to the same thing that those girls were wearing. In other words, fashion changes like that. And my goal is not to please this person or to please that person, or if I can say it, your goal is not to please some guy, and your goal should not be to please some girl. Your goal should be to please God, because he's all that matters. If I please him, the girl you're eventually going to marry or the guy you're eventually going to marry, he'll be pleased or she'll be pleased with that. Why? Because you're pleasing God the way you're supposed to. And so this, the idea of, of my, or the idea I have of my own abilities, appearance, and personality, this is where you get the concept, somebody says something wrong, and I told you before, not everybody's able to handle it the way others are. I remember as a kid, and I've told you, my mom, uh, I'd go home, mom, so-and-so said I'm stupid. Well, are you stupid? No, then who cares what they had to say? I'm convinced that 99% of bullying would be gone if, well, I don't say y'all because you're the ones I'm talking to, but if teenagers would learn how to deal with things. Rather than, well, you know what? They shouldn't say that. You know what? You're right. They shouldn't. But is it true? No. Then who cares? Is it true? Yes. Then fix the problem. I mean, now, granted, there's some things you can't change about yourself. You know, I have a big nose. Well, guess what? God designed you with a big nose. And we're going to look at that tonight. But this is what I think about myself. What do I have to compare it to? What the world has to say. We don't have in the Bible a picture that says, you know what? This is what you should look like. Because God designed each and every one of us differently. In Psalm 1830, we find the verse, As for God, His way is perfect. I was talking to somebody the other day. Um, I, like, I, I, don't, I don't hate bowling. I'm not a bowler. Um, I, like, I like to bowl. It's more of a fun time. I'll go and beat my wife, which is always fun. I mean, in bowling, that is not actually... Okay, forget it. Um, but... <laughs> Didn't come out right. We go to the bowling alley and I beat my wife. No, um, but, well, now, uh, I'm, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm not going to say I'm done. I'm getting the eyebrow right now, which tells them I'm about to step over the line. I'm not, I refuse to step over the line. Um, 
Uh, but anyway, sh- listen, okay? When I go bowling, okay, if a person goes bowling, anybody in here ever bowl over 200? I've done it once, one time. Uh, that's a lie, okay? Shh. No, I'm talking about legitimate bowling, okay? Listen, shh. When you, when you go bowling, okay, the best score you can get in bowling is a 300. That means you bowled the first nine frames, you bowled a strike, you knocked all the pins down with one ball, and on the last frame, you got three strikes in a row. So nine and three is 12 strikes. If you bowl 12 strikes, not one mistake, that's a perfect game. The Bible says here, as for God, his way is perfect. His, per- his perfection, his way, is without mistake. Not one mistake. So we can say from that, well, I'm going to go to my phone instead. I'll just, I'll, I'll take it from my phone. Okay, there we go. So we can say from that, God makes no mistakes. Now, we, we established last week, we talked about God. If I believe God is who he says he is, and I believe that his word is truth, I know he loves me. We said last week, I know he's a jealous God. I know that uh, anything he, or his thoughts toward me are peace. I know all that. And now I know, according to Psalm 1830, that he makes no mistakes. If I believe this is true, then self-image is a totally different view. Well, but I don't look like so-and-so. So what you're saying is God made a mistake. Well, no, he designed you exactly how he wanted you to be. A designer, when a designer steps up, now I'm not a designer by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I, I, some people, well, we're not going to get into it, but uh, some people have a, 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 an eye for design. And they look at it and they, well, what about this? What about this? What about that? My wife has to match some of my clothes because I'm colorblind. Okay, so I'm not, I mean, if I don't match, it's her fault. Okay, if I do match, of course I dress myself. Um, but in regards to design, the designer knows what's best. And we may not think it's right. We may not, uh, well, that, that, that doesn't look the way it should, but it's not up for us to say. It's up for the designer to say. Years ago, there was a painting. I forget who the, the painter was. The painting uh, was a, a rectangle from here to about here, here to here, and it was all white, except for one little red square that was down here in the corner. Sold for, I think, three and a half million dollars. I'm thinking, I could have done that. Well, the painter the, the main reason it sold for that was because of the painter's name. You think a five-year-old could have done it. You see paintings by uh, um, Andy Warhol. Now, most of you don't know his name, but Andy Warhol, uh, was uh, he would take paintbrushes, put paint on them, and just go, Wouldn't he, not touching the canvas. He'd be way back here and just flinging paint at it. I've seen painters or heard of painters before that put paint in squirt guns and just... You think, that's ridiculous, that's stupid. Right, but the designer, if I can say it this way, I can say it's stupid all I want, but somebody puts value on what that designer had to say or what he, did, what he painted. And in our own lives, we have to understand the designer, God, of us, makes no mistakes. That's true for somebody that's, if I can say it, that's born completely normal. It's also true for the child who's born and the doctors know right off the bat it's only got two months to live because of some illness it has. Well, but wait a sec. God makes no mistakes. So that's why I started off and coming to this point. Do you believe God is who he says he is? Well, of course I do, okay. According to his word, he can make no mistakes. Well, I should look like, no, 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 no. He designed you exactly how he wanted you to be. We continue on. Genesis 1.26, the Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Once again, the Trinity, that's where the hour comes in. 
we find here that the concept likeness is equal to resemblance. We don't look necessarily like God. Okay? The resemblance is there. The, the being is there. We all look different. Okay? Uh, even twins, uh, when we first moved here, I could not tell Danny and David apart at all. You asked the basketball guys. There was one point where I was yelling at the sideline, Danny, Danny, why won't you look at me? And I hear from the bench, that's David. Oh, David, what? I couldn't. Now I'm around them enough that I can tell a difference, okay? But God, God designed you and only you. Even twins that nobody else can tell apart except for parents, God designed them, but were designed in God's image, he made us. You know, the amazing thing, and we're going to get into this when we talk about abortion, but the amazing thing with God is when God created the world, we're going to look at here in a second, the verse, but God, God spoke and a tiger existed, and God spoke and a plant existed, and God spoke and the sun, moon, and stars. God spoke and all that existed, but God stooped down to the earth and formed you and he formed me. There's much more to then, or much more to reaching down and forming and making. Jeremiah says, "Look, God formed me in the womb. He formed every aspect of me in the womb. Whereas the rest of creation, He just spoke and it existed. God, God says, "Look, we made man in our image, in our likeness." Continuing on, so God created man in His own image, and the image of God created He and he, or He created He Him. And then we'll get to the male and female, created he them uh, in a couple weeks. But once again, God created man in his own image. And the image of God created he him. Now we're going somewhere with this, and I want you to see it. And this is what I mentioned earlier. God saw everything that he had made on the sixth day here. God created everything. He uh, spoke everything into existence. He, st- he stopped. He formed man. And then the Bible says, and it was very good. You know, God, when he made the plants, they were good. When he made the animals, they were good. When he made the planets, the sun, moon, and stars, they were good. When God made you and I, it was very good. In other words, God took a step back and thought, you know what? I did good on that one. You ever take a test and you turn that test into, you know what? I did good on that test. And then you get it back and it says 38. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, But listen, But, you know, I mean, some tests you go into and think, well, you guys have me for class. I always ask, are you done? Yes. Okay, did you get 100? Okay, I'm looking for that confidence. Now, look, look, confidence confidence in an F is not confidence. That's laziness. Okay? But in this case, God said, look, I made man. I made man in my image. Now, woman is not created yet. Woman won't be created for a little while yet. But the Bible says God created man, took a step back and said, you know what, that's very good. The crowning achievement, the crowning achievement of his creation was you and I. Wait, we weren't there. Biologically, we could say, yes, we were there. But even going back then to what Jeremiah said, that look, uh, God formed me in the womb. Now, let me ask you this. Okay, here's your geometry lesson for the day. If God, if God formed Jeremiah in the womb, Everybody agree with that, according to Jeremiah, okay? And the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. Everybody agree with that? The Bible says that multiple times, okay? I, I think it's going to come up in a different lesson. So if I can say those two things, then I can say that God also formed me in the womb. Because God's not going to treat Jeremiah any differently than he's going to treat me. So if he formed Jeremiah in the womb, he made Jeremiah. Jeremiah said he made me exactly how he wanted to make me. 
then I can say this, the same thing is true about me and the same is true about you. In other words, what I'm trying to get you to see, and we'll hit this a little more as we go through here, what I'm trying to get you to see is it doesn't matter how you view yourself. It matters how God views you. Because your human reasoning is always going to be insufficient. Well, but she looks this way, or but he does this, and he's able to. That is irrelevant because God made them to do that. He didn't make you to do that. He made you to be you. I've told you before the Hobby Lobby statement. Uh, why blend in when you're born to stand out? If Hobby Lobby didn't, I'm claiming that, but I'm pretty sure I saw it at a Hobby Lobby on a plaque. You know, sometimes we're so, but I want to be like this. I want to be, why? God made you to be who you are. Now, there are certain things about you you can change. Okay, if you struggle with BO, put some deodorant on. Okay, well, no, God made me that way. Yeah, but you can fix it. Okay, take a shower. There are certain things about you you can change. But like I said earlier, well, I have a big nose. Well, guess what? God designed you that way on purpose. But, but my, my, my ears stick out. God designed you. I don't know why. I'm not here to say, shh, listen, listen. If I can say it this way, who told you that a big nose was bad? Who told you that ears that stick out are bad? Well, but it's not, it doesn't matter. God, the Bible says God has made all things good in his time. He's made all things the way he wanted them to be. It's not up to me to say, well, that's this and that's that. And I've told you guys before, guys especially I've talked to about this. There are times that I've confessed my sins to you guys multiple times and funny stories about me making fun of people, and that's not good. Why? Because God designed them the way they were. And I'm saying that now because I was a teenager one time. I know what it's like. I know what it's like now as a 35-year-old man to struggle not to make fun of people. I'm just being honest. But when I look at it and I think, you know what? God designed them. God designed me just the way he wanted me to be. Now, there are certain things about ourselves, like I said, we can fix and we can change and we can alter and we can do this well and that well. We go to the concept of being a good steward of what God gave to us, taking care of ourselves and all that. That's different, a different uh, aspect altogether. But God said, you know what? I'm going to design this person to be exactly the way I wanted them to be. All of your idiosyncrasies, all of the things about you that you think, you know what? But people think this or people think that. Who cares? Because God designed you how he wanted you to be. And the sooner you begin to see yourself through those eyes, the happier you'll be, the more peace you'll have. Why? Because I don't care what other people think. Now, once again, not being stupid about it. Well, I'm just who I am. Well, okay. If you're irritating somebody, stop. Okay. But God designed, okay. I've, uh, some of you I've talked to before individually. And I've told you uh, some, well, you know what? I don't fit in. Okay. Maybe God designed you that way on purpose. I've told you about my cousin. My cousin's in the Philippines. My cousin never fit in. He was odd. Not like not necessarily we'd stand away from him. He's weird. He just never fit in with us. He was just different. But God's using him to do a mighty work in the Philippines right now. Why? Because that's what God designed him for. God made him for that spot. And God made you for a spot. Don't try to fit into somebody else's spot. Well, but, but, uh, but they, my parents or this person thinks I should do this. Okay, if that's what God wants, then by all means do it. Now, once again, especially if you're still in the house, which I think all of you are, the Bible says children obey your parents. Okay, I am saying that. But you, especially you seniors, as you're getting ready to head out on your own, making college decisions and all that, looking and saying, you know what, this is what I believe God has for, for me. Not because it's what you necessarily, I shouldn't say because you want, want, I want to do this and I hope God blesses it. No, because I know, you know what, I'm walking with God the way I should and this is what I feel God wants me to do. The Bible says, if man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so I choose, you know what, this is what I believe God wants and I'm going to stick to it, I'm going to keep pushing forward. But, but what about, what about, this is what God wants. And viewing yourselves through his eyes and nobody else's. 
Um, so to wrap up that slide there, God made everything. But then he created Adam and Eve and said, you know what, they're very good. But that same God created you and me. And when we were born, or even before we were born, the Bible says that uh, life begins at conception. From the, time we were, uh, from the time God knew we were going to be born, the Bible says we were very good. God designed us exactly how he wanted us to be. My brother-in-law. I have a brother-in-law, and then I have a, what, a cousin-in-law? What would you call him? Kyle? Is that cousin-in-law? My wife's cousin, Kyle. Both of them were born with a, uh, I believe, a neurological condition, a brain-type condition. Uh, my my, um, my brother-in-law, my pa- or my my parents, my gra- not my grandparents either. Don't tell me I said that. My in-laws uh, were at college at the time, and they took uh, their son, my wife's brother, to uh, Doctor Hiles and just had him had uh, Doctor Hiles pray over him, anoint him with oil, and all that. And we're not going to get into that right now, but basically it was kind of thing. You know what? This is our last hope because basically what the doctors were saying, well, he wasn't going to make it past 16 or 17 years old, and so they went and they got and he's 40. He just turned 40, didn't he? Or he's almost 40. Uh, but um, he, that, that's where he's at now. My cousin, or my uh, cousin-in-law, Kyle, he had this very same exact thing, and my uh, wife's aunt and uncle never took him anywhere, and once again, I don't know that it would, would have changed anything, but now Kyle's living on borrowed time, for lack of a better way to put it. I mean, he's, he's around the same age, uh, late 30s, early 40s, but my, uh, my wife's aunt and uncle kind of live in fear that he may pass away at any, any moment. It's not my job to decide why him and not him. Or why is he allowed to and he's not. That's up to God. And that's why I stress through this whole thing, it's God. It's what he desires. I don't understand it, but if I believe that he is who he says he is and he doesn't make mistakes and he loves me, it's not my place to question it. And that's why I stress, it's easy for us to say, yeah, I believe God, I believe. Okay, do you believe enough to say, okay, I trust you, God. I don't understand why this situation, I don't understand this. I don't know why you made me this way or why did you allow this to happen. But you understand God puts you in the house he puts you in. He gave you the parents that he gave you. He gave you the siblings that he gave you. He put you in the school he put you in. He put you in the city he put you in. None of that's by accident. That's exactly what he wanted to happen. So he designed us to be very good. You see a couple underlying statements. I'm going to push through this one real quick here. Uh, the Bible says here, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God took the time, tre- trepidation, if you will, took the time to form us and make us rather than just, once again, even if God spoken into existence, it still has tremendous value. But God took the time to fearfully, wonder- or fearfully and wonderfully make me. Continuing on, knowing all these things about us, my substance was not hid from thee when I was in secret. When I was in the womb is what he's saying. My my substance, my being, everything I was made of was not hid from you. And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance. Once again, who I was, or yet being unperfected. I wasn't even born yet. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. God says, look, from the very beginning, I've designed you. I've given you 10 toes, some of you 11, some of you 12. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Nobody in here. Anybody in here? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I always wanted to get special flip-flops that has an extra, extra, flop on your, extra flip on your flop sticking out the side. Sorry. Um, anyway, it'd be tough to buy shoes that way, too, to cram that extra toe in there. Uh, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> all that to say, it wasn't an accident. Listen, okay, we look at it, once again, we look at it and we think, well, wait a second, I don't know why, I don't know either, and it's not my job to figure that out, it's my job to simply trust God. 
Okay, Numbers, real quick, I'm going to hit three verses and then I'm going to hit a uh, thought on it. Numbers 23, 19a says, God is not a man that he should lie. Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And then the last verse, Hebrews 6, 18a, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. So we see, once again, We've already talked, God is love. We talked about the fact that God cannot make a mistake and the fact that God, God's thoughts toward us are only peace and God is a jealous God. God, on top of that, cannot lie. So knowing that it's impossible for God to lie. Okay? Knowing, oh, there it goes. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot that in teen church too. Hold on. You're not as impressed with that as you should. Okay, let's try it again. Ready? Knowing that God cannot See, cannot lie. Um, thank, there you go. Much better, much better. Okay? But knowing that he cannot lie, I want you to see something. This is, this is the key part. If I can wrap everything up in one thought here. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. God cannot lie. Okay? God cannot lie. That was key. And now he says we are his workmanship. Workmanship is... A masterpiece. Okay, you all study in literature and things, you see different paintings and things. Someone's masterpiece. You may have an artist that makes uh, dozens and dozens, even hundreds of sculptures, but he has one he considers his masterpiece. You may have a painter and he has thousands or hundreds of paintings that are worth a tremendous amount, but he's got one masterpiece. One he looks at and thinks, you know what? That is my masterpiece. Here's the definition of a masterpiece. I want you to think about this, and we're going to apply it to ourselves. Masterpiece is a piece of work done by an aspiring artist wishing to ascend to the level of master craftsman, a showcase of all they had learned as well as all they were capable of. In other words, it was everything he had. That artist took his time and put everything he had, blood, sweat, and tears, into that painting or into that sculpture or into whatever it was he made. The Bible says we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. In other words, God took the same amount of time, even more time, than an artist who puts all the work into a painting or all the work into a sculpture. God took far more time than that to make us his masterpiece. Regardless, there's no specific design. Well, this is a masterpiece. If you don't fit that mold, then you're not a masterpiece. God said we're all his workmanship. If I can say it, that means... What we would consider in here the most beautiful person, and in here what we consider the ugliest person. Now, I put it in quotes because in our society today we say, well, you know what? That's ugly. Who says? If you think, let me ask you this What happens if we get to heaven and Jesus has a big nose? Now, we laugh about it, but down here, oh, yeah, that person's got a big nose. What happens if we get to heaven and God has a big nose? And we realize the whole time, you know what? I, was, I thought the world said that, you see, we look at it, we look at it, listen, listen, stay with me, okay? Okay? We look at it, we think, well, you know what? Well, well, the world says, well, who cares what the world says? That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. God designed you exactly how he wanted you to design. He laid out the plans and thought, you know what? I'm going to give, uh, even if you think of it this way, I'm going to give this person uh, this, uh, uh, this body formation, and I'm going to give this person this, and I'm going to make this person, uh, maybe their eyes are going to be crossed. And um, you think, well, that's ridiculous. God designed them. It's not up to me to say, well, you know what? God made a mistake because we said earlier, God makes no mistakes. So when you wake up and you look in the mirror in this morning, or in the morning, say, you know what? Well, 
You should get up and look in the mirror in the morning. Let me preface it with that. Okay, but when you look in the mirror and you look and you think, you know what? But I don't like, maybe my eyebrows are too, maybe they connect in the middle. Uh, which that was, I don't know if it's popular anymore. It was popular for, popular for a little while. Um, but maybe they connect in the middle. Or maybe, you know what, maybe my, uh, maybe my eyes aren't straight. Maybe one eye is a little higher than the other. Or maybe my ears aren't straight. Maybe they stick out. Or what about this? Or what about that? Honestly, if I can say it, don't view yourself and don't view yourself in the way of how the world views you. View yourself how God views you. And God says, you are my masterpiece. I put everything I had into you. I took the effort and I worked and I worked and I worked and I fashioned you exactly how I wanted you to be and you were born to the parents I wanted you to be born to. You were born to, uh, or you were born into the household I want you to be born into, in the city and with the family and with the school and the church. You were born everything exactly how I wanted it to be. Don't view yourself, uh, if I can say it, I think that's actually the next slide here. Okay, so God fearfully and wonderfully made me. We are made in his image. Therefore, you and I, we are God's masterpiece. So it's not about how I view myself. Thank you for those who gave answers at the beginning. But self-image, the concept, the the definition of self-image is how I view myself. But when we look at self-image, don't think about how I view myself. It's about how I believe God views me. Because God's the one that gives you the value, okay? Stop laughing, okay? The nose joke was literally five minutes ago. It's not funny anymore. It wasn't even funny when I told it in the first place, okay? Um, but, but it's not about how I view myself. Because I can only compare myself to other people around me. And what the world says is popular. And what the world says is, is cool. And what the world says is the right thing to do. And I view myself on how God, I, I view myself based on how I believe God views me. And God looks at me and says, you know what? You are my masterpiece. I put everything I had into you. You are my piece de resistance. Everything I had, I nailed it. Everything I had, I poured into that. Why? Because I love you. None of us would look and say, you know what? God, why? But sometimes we do that in how we treat ourselves, to be honest with you. We go through life, I wish I had that, I wish I had, I wish I had. The concept of, I mean, we, we look at it as a joke, the um, trying to keep up with the Joneses type thing. And uh, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Uh, the, one, uh, the one boy, uh, when uh, George Bailey comes home, the one boy says, hey, Dad, so-and-so, they got a new car. And he says, what's the matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you? And sometimes I wonder, obviously God doesn't react in that way to us, but sometimes I wonder from a father's perspective if God, if God were a sinful man, if that's how he would view it. But God, but look at, but look at, what's the matter? Is what I gave to you not good enough? Paul, Paul was given a thorn in the flesh and three times, God, please take it away. I cannot handle it. And God says, yes, you can. I'm not taking it away. You can handle it. You know why? Because my grace is sufficient. Why? Because your value is not not in what other people say, how they view you. Your value is in how God views you. And as we looked at the verse, God said, you are my workmanship. You are my masterpiece. Don't stand there and say, well, but you messed up. No, 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 no. No one would ever go to an art museum and say, hey, see here? There's where Van Gogh messed up. He messed up. It should be. Why? Because Van Gogh's the goat. (laughs) Van Gogh. I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Um, What? Monet. Monet or Monet? 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 I'm a Da Vinci fan personally. I'm kidding. I actually don't care about art, to be honest with you. 
Art, art is weird. I'm sorry if you like art. I'm not saying it a bad way, but I'm saying, okay. That's true. Anyway, but all that to say, listen, God made you his masterpiece. Listen, the next time you begin to feel, well, but this or but that,